Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Bucs lose another starter on defense as Levante David undergoes arthroscopic knee surgery. You won't see him in the preseason. What does this mean for the regular season? And you'll hear my interview with Bucks running back Dari Agumbawale, who is making a big push to become the Bucks' third down back. You may recall his sister, Arike, a little more famous, hit two buzzer beaters to win a national championship for Notre Dame a couple years ago, then missed a free throw in the title game to lose to Baylor at Emily Arena. My interview with him and a chat that I had with his sister as well coming up in just a minute. And the Rays snapped their six-game winning streak by falling 2 to nothing to the Blue Jays. That also ends a streak of seven games of six runs or more. It was the fifth time they've been shut out this year. Bo Bichette, the kid from Lakewood High School, makes his Tropicana Field debut and makes it a memorable one with a double and a home run. He scores both runs for the Blue Jays. Charlie Morton absorbed the loss. And the Lightning added a defenseman. It's Kevin Shattenkirk. We'll tell you about that deal. And more thoughts about Don Banks, my former colleague, who died suddenly over the weekend. We've got all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, do you want to be a millionaire? Well, for 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and surface. Now, folks, we know you have a choice of air conditioning people. Try my folks at Millionaire. They're currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. Give them a call at 727-862-2100 and take advantage of this great offer on a brand new quality train air conditioning unit or to schedule service or maintenance. Call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, Millionaire. Okay, so uh, some bad news for the Bucks. We don't know how bad. We'll have to wait and see until the regular season starts. But Levante David, you know, the last couple practices that they had indoors at their uh, training facility there at One Buck Place, he was standing around. And the, the stated reason was that he had a little swelling on his knee and that uh, he didn't like the indoor facility for that purpose. Well, it turns out that David was not at practice at all on Monday, and that's because uh, he underwent some arthroscopic surgery uh, on his knee. He had a uh, torn meniscus in his left knee. It was uh, considered minor surgery. They, you know, they went in there and cleaned it up, shaved it down, what have you. But that, you know, that recovery can take a few weeks. And so uh, you're not going to see Levante David in the preseason. I think it's safe to say that that's the case. Now, these guys recover from these surgeries fairly quickly, but it's still uh, it's still this alarming in a sense because you're already, if you look back at last year's defense, and I know they weren't great, but the key players on that defense were who? You know, Jason Pierre-Paul, who nobody knows if you're going to see him at all this year. And if you do, it won't be until maybe October because he has a cervical fracture in his neck from that car accident he had back in May. Gerald McCoy, of course, has been traded to the Carolina Panthers, so he's gone, and Domicon Sue's in his place. And Quan Alexander signed as a free agent, who is their Mike linebacker, with the San Francisco 49ers that they open with, you know, uh, when the season regular season begins. And so, you know, to, now you're without Levante David. So really, if you took the four top players that made most of the plays on defense a year ago, 
they're all out of the lineup right now. So it's remarkable sort of, you know, the overhaul they've had just in just in one season. But, you know, David is uh, has played a lot of years. This is his ninth or tenth season, I believe. It could be his last one. You know, you could see a situation much like McCoy a year ago where his contract for 2020 is about $10 million, and none of it is guaranteed. So uh, this is a big year for him to, you know, sort of prove his value, whether he can still make plays or not. And, you know, this is what happens. He, you know, he was beat up a little bit last year as well. He's missed some games over the last couple of years. And, and I always say this, it's unfortunate, but, you know, as players get older, um, they generally become more injured and miss more games and, and also less productive. Now, you know, Levante has, has been a pretty high-level player. There hasn't been much of a drop-off when he's on the field, but we have seen him miss some games. So it's alarming for the Bucks. The good news for them, though, and, and this is, I think, the key to any good football team, is that you're going from Levante David to somebody who has played and played a lot of football before. In other words, it's not like the drop-off is to a rookie. You're not going to, to or to a young player like Jack Cici or something like that right now. So, you know, they went and signed in the offseason uh, uh, Daewon Buchanan, who played for the Cardinals and is an inside linebacker, kind of a hybrid safety in a, in a sense. Um, you can certainly, you know, play him inside there. And you also have Kemp, Kevin Minter, who played an awful lot of football for the Arizona Cardinals and was with Tampa Bay a year ago. So he's another veteran. So you have a couple of inside guys that can um, jump in there without – it's not going to be as good as Lamonte David, but there won't be an enormous drop-off, uh, and you're going to guys who have had a lot of experience. But uh, this is this is disappointing if I'm a Bucks fan, and it's not because you won't see him in the preseason. I mean, how much was he going to play? Maybe a series at Pittsburgh, um, maybe a couple series, you know, the next week against uh, Miami, and then maybe, uh, you know, come back and play into the third quarter at Dallas or something like that. So not a ton of reps that he's missing. And, and he was uh, in all the install, and he, he did practice for most of the first week of training camp, so he knows sort of what, what they're doing. Um, but I'd be a little alarmed by this because, you know, not only, uh, Steve, do they play on, you know, opening day against the 49ers, but remember, four days later they're playing at Carolina on a Thursday night with no recovery. I think that's the part that's worrisome with it potentially. is uh, I don't care if Levante David misses all the preseason. I don't sure. I don't care if JPP or any any veteran like that that's got a lot of miles on their body and and are mm-hmm. veterans and can pick up schemes and and understand that. Yeah. The preseason for those guys, uh, you know, if they if they need it, if they feel they need it for themselves to to get ready for week 1, then great. But otherwise, that doesn't concern me. But Devontae David coming back from the the surgery and in that and then having to play two games in 4 days assuming he is ready for week 1. Mm-hmm. That's where you start going, is he going to be able to handle two games in four days being out of game shape at that point? That's right. And and I, and I we won't know that. And we what we also won't know, and there's no way for him to know, is how will his knee respond to being inactive that long? Now, he'll be doing stuff on the side, you know, rehabbing. I mean, the mm-hmm. rehab for this stuff is, is usually, you know, pretty soon. I mean, they keep the compression sleeve on there. They, they start working on range of motion. Um, you know, before long, he'll be uh, – not running, but, but, you know, doing, you know, doing stuff on, on like a stationary in the water type stuff and, and just trying to keep the swelling down. Um, because one, the, the big fear is you, you do too much too soon. I had this happen. This is, I'm not comparing myself to an elite pro bowl athlete, but 
um, I had this surgery, and then a few days later, four or five days later, I asked, uh, can I travel? And he goes, what do you do? And I was like, well, I'm going to get on an airplane. I'm going to fly to Houston. I'm going to uh, walk from the airport to a car, go to the hotel, um, go to bed, get up the next day, go to a game, come back to the hotel, and fly home. And he's like, yeah, you should be fine. Well, turns out, I don't know if you've ever been to, like, uh, George Bush Airport, that the walking there is about six miles anywhere in any direction you go. And so by the time I got off the plane and walked, uh, you know, through the terminal, got my luggage, got to the hotel, my knee had already swelled up. And when I got back, because flying is not good for it either, and when I got back from Houston, uh, it looked like a balloon. And so I had to go back in, into the doctors. And I, I don't know, you know, athletes get this done all the time, and, it, and it's just a harrowing thought for me. But I had to have uh, my knee drained. And it gives you instant relief, obviously, because you've got a good amount of swelling. But they take this needle, Steve, that is about six inches long. I'm not exaggerating. And they put it into the part of the knee where the swelling is, is its highest. Uh, and except that, you know, it's unnatural for something to go into your body and be, and be left there. And that's what they do. You know you're in trouble when they bring in two nurses to hold your shoulders down. Like, this isn't probably going to go well. <laughs> so they, they, they numb it up. They, this is gross, I know, but they spray it with, like, you know, it's the old cold spray like you see in soccer when those guys go down and it really doesn't do anything. Freezes the skin, right? And, and then they, they stick this thing in there. And your first reaction is to leap up and pull it out of your knee because it, it hurts, right? And then the doctor is massaging this tissue around the knee trying to, trying to, while he's pulling back on this syringe, right? And he's sucking like fluid out of your knee. And the guy took 50 cc's of fluid out of my knee in one, you know, in wow. one swoop. Now, yeah, it was, a, it was a large amount. But, but this is something that's fairly common, you know, in professional sports when these guys are out there, you know, um, playing on this stuff. And then you think about, well, you know, okay, the first week, uh, you would assume he would try to practice that Wednesday, Thursday, you know, uh, Friday, walk through Saturday, and then play on Sunday. Uh, and then who knows, you know, nobody's going to practice the rest of the week because they're going to do walkthroughs Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, get on a plane Wednesday, fly to Carolina, play Thursday. So, you know, I kind of think your idea might be the way they have to go if he's not 100% or close to it. Um, maybe he doesn't play the opener, and then, you know, his first game is against Carolina. Then he has 10 days off. Uh, that's definitely a possibility. I mean, obviously, it'll depend on you know how quick he recovers he and if he's yeah. ready too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's possible but he misses both the first two games if he could. You know, because they're so close together, that's possible too. Yeah, and then you you know you get so you miss two games, but then you get all you know essentially more than two weeks to uh, to try to get it you know closer to one hundred percent or whatever it's going to be for the season. So it's something to watch. It's disappointing, I think, for Levante. And and let me just say this, and I have I can't prove this, okay, but I will use Bruce Arians' words here. When he first did it, and, and Arians said that the reason why Levante wasn't practicing is, is that he, quote, had a little swelling on his knee. And, and Arians made the comment, he goes, you know, he doesn't like the indoor facility and neither do I. Well, you know what, then? This is what you get when you put these guys on that hard surface, and I know on, on some occasions they got rained out and had to go inside, but they had three scheduled practices, you know, which he missed two of them, I think, but, you know, back to back to back. But prior to that, they had been in there three out of four days. But if you're scheduling to practice at 4 o'clock in the afternoon in August, well, it's going to rain, folks, and you're going to end up inside. And, you know, the, I you got to believe that these players, whether you're uh, – 
you know, Cameron Brake coming off his surgery or anybody like that, that you don't want to be on that carpet, you know, um, no matter how much, no matter what you think of artificial surface or how much padding you put under those things, um, it's not as soft as, as natural grass. And uh, it just has, it has an impact on your joints. And you'd hate to think that, you know, this was aggravated or that he tore it or that he suffered a partial tear because he was in there practicing indoors. But that's, that's sometimes a byproduct of that. So, We'll see. We only know what Arians has told us, and um, it's unfortunate. But uh, it looks like Levante David is is uh, definitely going to miss the preseason, and then um, they still think he'll come back for the regular season. But we'll have to watch that. A couple other things of note that occurred on Monday. Of course, uh, Ronald Jones was interviewed uh, by the media. Um, no big news there, other than the fact that he's playing very, very well. And he's sort of a different running back, if you will, than he was a year ago. And he needs to be, right? Because last year was just an abject failure. Uh, what do you have? 44 yards, I think, uh, only on you know, 24, 25 carries. A lot of it not his fault. You know, I think he was hitting the backfield about half of those. But you know, confidence is such a big part of sports and football in general, uh, and, and especially at the running back position. It's an instinctive position. And Jones had a lot to learn. It was a big learning curve. He had just turned 21 years old. I think, and I've talked about this before, that you know he didn't realize that even though you drafted very, very high, you know you got to come in and and sh- make plays, make plays in practice, show you know what you know what you're supposed to do, um, and also when you get in preseason games, you know start to establish that uh, that you're going to be an impactful player. He just never did that. He never got on track, and he didn't think it was that important, which was even maybe a little more alarming. Uh, but then when the season started, you know, he was trying to work to become a receiver. He got better doing that. Uh, and then he had no success. And so first he lost confidence in himself, and then the team lost confidence in him. And when that happens, you're you're pretty much done for the year. So this season he's he's coming, uh, you know, he's gained a little bit of weight. Uh, I think he's up to about 221 or something like that. And he has uh, – uh, so, you know, so he, he can run inside a little bit more. Because you can't just run, you know, the USC toss sweep on every play in the NFL. Those guys are too fast. But he's looked quick. He's looked explosive. He's had a good training camp. He's caught the ball well. Arians throws the ball a lot more to his running backs. And so, um, you know, Ronald Jones is off to a good start, and I think he'll be one of the main guys that the, the Bucks and Bucks fans will be watching when they go to Pittsburgh on Friday. That first uh, preseason game is just a few days away now. Uh, well, also, I had a chance. I, I had a chance to catch up with Dari Agumbawale, and and you guys probably remember him. He's been around on the practice squad, and then last year, I think he got to play in about uh, I don't know six or seven games. Uh, was their kick returner? I think he had seven kickoff returns and looked good in that role. But Dari's an interesting guy. I mean, from from the beginning of his career, you know, he grew up in Wisconsin, um, a Nigerian father. His mother was a school teacher for like thirty four years. Um, she coached sports and especially, uh, uh, you know, basketball and things like this. She was she was an athlete as well, softball player, I believe. And so, you know, him and his uh, his brother and his sister um, were always competitive of everything they did. And they, they played soccer and they, they played basketball and he played football and all that. Um, but when they, you know, they lived in Milwaukee and when Dari went to look for a college team. He wound up walking on at the University of Wisconsin as a defensive back. So they, and then they switched him to running back. He wound up, uh, you know, being there for four years. His last two years, I think he gained about fifteen hundred yards and had close to twenty touchdowns. So he did very, very well. Uh, and then he, you know, then he goes into the draft and he wasn't drafted. So, you know, 
hard to make an NFL team sometimes when you're an undrafted uh, player like that. Uh, wasn't the biggest guy. I think he's about, you know, f- maybe five, five ten, five eleven. I think two hundred and maybe two hundred five pounds. And so he he was, uh, you know, sort of sort of discovered and forced his way onto the roster as a special teams player, still looking for his first NFL carry. And here's what's interesting about, you know, when you have a coaching change, and I like this about Bruce Arians, and it reminds me a little bit of Tony Dungy, and I think I've said that this is the best coaching staff I've seen the Bucks have since Gruden left, and a lot of that, of course, was Monty Kiffin and the defensive staff that Dungy had assembled. Um, but in this staff, you know, they look at what they have on their roster, and, and they're, you know, they're not – they're not that group of people that say, well, we, we don't, we can't win with these players. In other words, they, they put guys in position. They like their players. They like guys like Dari and Gumbawale. And it's a, it's a fresh pair of eyes. You know, they look at him um, and, and he's able now to sort of elevate himself beyond what the previous coaching staff thought of him. And so now, you know, he's had a really good training camp. Um, You know, he's, he's off to a great start in competing really for the third down, running back role which is which is as you know a big role for uh for the bucks because you know if ronald jones say wins the starting job and and he could over peyton barber but you know barber and jones are going to play a lot barber's more of an inside runner and can catch the ball jones of course the explosive guy Uh, but you're going to need a guy to come in on third down and, and be very good in blitz pickup be a good route runner Arians gets his his running backs into the into the pattern. So uh, I think you know, Dari is showing a, a ton of progress and flashes out there. And you may, may remember that, you know, the funny thing is, is that his sister is the one who's the superstar. Um, she plays in uh, for Dallas in the uh, WNBA. She is probably going to win rookie of the year this year. And uh, what we really remember her back, of course, is playing for Notre Dame a couple years ago. When she hit not one but two buzzer beaters to win a national championship uh, for Notre Dame, and then but then last year, her Notre Dame team comes to Amelie Arena against Baylor, and she plays her heart out, and she gets fouled late in the game, just just a second or two remaining, and she has to make two free throws to tie the game and send it in overtime, and she misses one. And the way she handled that in the class, and of course, Dari and his family were there in Tampa. Uh, it was an exciting time for them. I talked to her on the phone, wrote a story about it in the Tampa Bay Times. You can read that on tampabay.com about uh, Dari Agumboale and, and, of course, his sister, uh, Arike. Um, but here is my interview, my one-on-one interview that I had with Dari on Monday at One Buck Place. You know, new coaching staff, new offense, a lot to learn, but uh, this is not your first rodeo, so the coaches are very complimentary uh, about you kind of working in a third down back type of role too so how much more involved are, are the backs in passing game right now and just sort of how do you fit into that yeah we're really involved you know we uh coach uh he, he wants us to get be able to run routes and catch the ball and yeah. so um we've been doing a good job of that i've been doing a good job of that and uh just making sure i'm doing well in the in the passing game whether that's picking up blocks and, and yeah. catching the ball yeah so uh You've always been a guy that has is a make it guy, right? You walk on at Wisconsin, switch positions, uh, you know, the practice squad here, and, and, and so here you are in your third year. What is it about about you uh, that has enabled you to kind of be the survivor and 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 you know and improve every year to the point where you're yeah. in the position you are now? I was just gonna say that, just the, the idea of improving, you know. Yeah. I mean, college I walked on, 
you had to do special teams and yeah. became a better player as, as as the years went on. It's been the same in the in the NFL. Yeah. You know, um, starting off kind of mostly only doing special teams now with the new coaches that here. Yeah. Being able to um, show my route running ability, show my running ability, and when running the ball, and um, just being able to improve. You know, so that's been the biggest thing for me. Um, obviously, when you when you're able to grasp offenses and playbooks, um, that's that's been that's, that's been good, and, that, and that's something that I've been always. You know, took pride in is being able, my, my football IQ, you know, yeah. um, being a smart player and being dependable. And so that's all, that's also something that's carried me. But at the end of the day, it's been being an improvement from year to year. You have to have a certain toughness to go down and play special teams. You returned kickoffs last year, and you know, you, you went north south, and they loved what you did there. So, how much of of, of that it helps you when when you're playing running back and picking up blitzes? And doing definitely, those? It's, it's definitely. I mean, running back is a lot of mental. You know, yeah. it's a big mental mental position. So um, that toughness is 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 a driving a driving factor on that, and um, it's obviously helping. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Be out a lot, being, being a tough runner, yeah. um, being able to get those yards um, and, and putting on weight is helping with that too, just yeah. being able to have that more of a physical mentality. Um, so all that stuff's been helpful for me. Um, but yeah, the toughest is uh, something that I've got to continue to, to grow at. How, how big are you now? What were you last year? Uh, last year I was around 207 most of the season. This year I'm 220. Okay. Um, coaching staff asked me to put weight on. And wow. Make sure I, uh, so now how do, you, how do you go about that other than just spending a lot of time in the weight room? You eat a lot, it's I guess? a lot of eating, man, a lot yeah. of calories. Um, what was a typical day for you? Uh, it was just a bunch of meals, a lot of snacks. Um, I didn't really have. Um, I, I learned kind of how to eat. My dad, he, um, he's my, my, both my parents. They really you know yeah. into nutrition and stuff like that. So yeah. they kind of laid out, you know, how many calories I, I should be taking in. So I didn't have to, yeah. you know, kind of go to a outside source for that. So right. they, they helped me out with that. But yeah, it's mostly just a lot of eating <laughs> and then um, working out with my trainer a lot. Um, Milwaukee and down to Fort Lauderdale, um, they uh, definitely helped me uh, put those pounds. Were the times like, hey, I want to go to bed, but I got to have another milkshake kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. no, not, not too much. You know, I, I, the one thing about me is I do like to eat, so it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> all good. bad. You know, um, uh, I was a lot of peanut butter jelly sandwiches right before bed and stuff like that, but um, yeah. I definitely was able to put the weight on. It's been good weight, so I'm happy with it. Yeah. Of course, we all know your family and, and uh, your, your sister who, uh, I mean, there she was. You mm-hmm. watched her, uh, right, you know, right. right here in Tampa. First of all, what was that experience like? It's amazing, man. I still, still even when I watch her in the WNBA games, you know, she just played a couple days ago. It's still, still kind of surreal, you know. She's in Houston, hearing, right? Is it? Uh, Dallas, oh, Dallas, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, Dallas. So she, um, just hearing the commentators talk about her and just talk about how she's one of the greater college, college basketball players and now, um, in the running for rookie of the year and stuff like it's just kind of incredible just real proud of her and uh yeah. kind of pushing me you know trying to, uh, to make sure my parents, <laughs> oh, don't, she's for, pushing sure you my parents now, right? don't forget about me <laughs> well it's um, funny about that during that whole thing of course you know we i think we talked to your parents and they're like look we can tell her anything yeah. but but if <laughs> yeah. if her brother says it 
then yeah. she's gonna do it. Yeah, she yeah she listens to me a lot when it comes to basketball. Just because I mean she she knows that I still know basketball yeah. from the time that I played in high school and yeah. and when we would train together with our trainers stuff. So she she trusts my basketball my basketball now. So she definitely listens to me. But it's getting to a point now where she doesn't need to listen to me. I mean, there's really nothing I can say to her anymore. She's just that good. So yeah. so uh, I'm so proud of her. This is amazing to watch. Yeah. So is there any like do you get inspired now that uh, you know you see what she's doing? I mean, back in the day you were the one inspiring her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, now you've seen you know her on a big stage. Yeah, definitely, so. she knows it. She knows it. I mean, I, I always take uh, tell her I'm chasing her now. You know, she, <laughs> uh, she's definitely kind of setting that standard yeah. of what I want to do and the success I want to have. And she's she's doing all of it. Um, yeah. She's killing it off the court and on the court. So I'm uh, real proud of her, and uh, I, I let her know that she uh, she's motivating me just like I used to. You guys are raising the bar for each other. Exactly. Um, when you look at that running back room, boy, that's a that's a competitive mm-hmm. place, right? Definitely. I mean, we know what Peyton is about, and much like yourself, mm-hmm. a guy that you know got walked on and um, has done what he's done, and now Rojo seems to be a different different guy in year two. So what are you guys? What's that room like? Are you guys tight? It's oh, yeah, obviously we're, we're real close, man. We're real close. We, we've been a close group even before the staff got here. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a lot more competition now, you know. Right? Yeah. With, with other guys coming oh, in, and um, you know, I, I feel like I've added myself into the mix of that absolutely. now. So um, it's definitely real, real competitive. But at, on the field, like we obviously we're all cheering for each other still because we're all trying to go beat up on the linebackers and we were doing a pretty good job of that so that's that's what more so we care about and we uh we let the the front office kind of deal with the rest but as long as we're putting our effort in and yeah. we, we root for each other I mean, those guys are like my brothers they become my brothers and uh we've gotten really close and spend a lot of time together off the field too so um, we're a real close group but uh, of course there's definitely competition because we're all fighting for a job a lot of the, co- the coaching staff of course loved you last year and you, you were involved a lot but to get a new set of eyes and a new offense that's going to utilize you how refreshing is that for you at least in the role you're in Definitely, definitely refreshing. You know, obviously when, when a new staff comes in, I mean, I, I kind of was able to deal with it in college. You know, I, yeah. I went through two coaching changes. In That's, college, right. So, That's right. So having three head coaches in college was kind of the same thing. You're, a new staff comes in, you're kind of worried if they're going to like you, if they you know. Mm-hmm. But um, with the new staff coming in and um, me being right away, being able to show my stuff, um, that definitely was good. You know, that first impression, that, that, that was key for me. Yeah. And now being able to build with that and then um, show that I, I can have a role in the offense and on uh, special teams. Um, that's been big for me, and uh, yeah. so that uh, that's something that I'm definitely trying to trying to make sure they know that I, I want to have a big role in special teams. I know they say offense. you know don't count your reps, make your reps count, but but you're getting more reps, so you must feel good about that. Is definitely. that you're seeing yourself in positions now definitely. where you want to play? Definitely, in. they uh, they want to see me out there, and they want to try to get the ball in my hands yeah. in practice. So that's been awesome. Um, definitely making the most of them, and I'm planning to continue that in those preseason games. Yeah. So. My thanks to Dari. Really good catching up with him. And we'll do that uh, from time to time on this podcast uh, here on Sports Day Tampa Bay, of course, throughout the season. Always good uh, to talk to those guys and let you hear them in their stories. Pretty cool thing announced by the Bucks just the other day on Monday. Tim McGraw, of course, the country singer who's won, what, a ton of Grammys and CMA Awards and all that. He's going to be doing a pre-concert prior to the opening day, the regular season opener against San Francisco uh, in the South Plaza at Raymond James Stadium. The gates will open at 1230. It's part of the NFL's uh, year fantennial, I guess, celebration, 100-year fantennial celebration. So uh, not bad, man. A little little pre-concert. Then you Mm -hmm. got the Bucks and the 49ers at, uh, what, 4 p.m. that afternoon? 425's kickoff. They're going to open the gates at 1230. The concert will be at 2. Oh, that's great. So it'll be a full concert or, you know, it's not just, you know, play three songs and done. It'll be more than that. So, which is pretty wow. cool. That is cool. I'm going to have to get there. It'll be a long day for us because I, I got to have to get in on that. No, but, no, uh, no word of Faith Hill will be there or not. 
Oh, you know she will. Come on. Well, you hope. Yeah. Bring her on there late on the stage, do a little duet. They've done some duets together, so. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. Um, So that'll be fun. So good announcement for them uh, as well. The Rays, meanwhile, I mentioned uh, at the beginning of the intro, um, it was only a matter of time. You can't, you know, they they had gone through such a horrendous slump, and then they've added some pieces, and, you know, here they were uh, scoring runs like they were going out of style where they had seven games of six runs or more. You didn't necessarily expect them to be shut out by the Toronto Blue Jays, and that's what happened on Monday night. But they snapped their six-game winning streak. Um, you know, Toronto is, is like like any team in the American League uh, or in baseball, can can rise up and, and, and take you down. Um, but Charlie Morton, I thought he pitched well. He just, you know, he had the, the, the first two innings were the only two innings he gave up runs in. And, and, you know, if you gave up two runs in a game, which is right around what Charlie Morton does, you, you're going to win most of them as he has. But what a homecoming for Bo Bichette, right? The kid from Lakewood. Dante Pichette's son, obviously, and he makes his uh, Tropicana Field debut. I didn't realize, Steve, he's only been out of high school like three or four years. Mm-hmm. No, he's young. Yeah, yeah, very young. Now, he didn't do so well at shortstop. <laughs> yeah, a little so. trouble in the field, a couple errors, but uh, when you yeah. get a double and a home run and you score both runs for your team, uh, it kind of <laughs> makes up it. for it. Yeah, and, you know, Morton, the, the home run, by the way, I mean, this was a breaking ball, I think, that was uh, outside – uh, edge of the plate, and and he uh, he waited on it, and he got a tremendous carry on the ball to right field, hit it in the right field seats. That was his second at bat. He doubled uh, his first at bat and scored the first uh, first run, both runs actually. It was uh, only the second curveball that Charlie Morton has uh, had a home run hit off him this year. Yeah, I mean he's been outstanding, and and you know I watched the interview after the game, and Morton's like, "Look, I threw the ball exactly exactly where I wanted to put it. I don't, you know, sometimes he just managed to get the ball up in the air and, you know, and hit it out. So after that, Morton settled down. What do you go about seven innings? I want to say or close seven, to it. Seven and, innings gave up two runs. You'll take that every time yeah, from him. Absolutely, and quality quality start for him. So you know, look, the Rays will have to get back on track. The key is to uh, to win some series here, especially against the lower rung teams. We know what happened in Toronto uh, when they blew the seven-run lead and then came back and, and won a game. They trailed by seven, so uh, they'll move forward. But I guess they got a little break on Monday night. Some of the teams that they're battling for the wild card lost as well. Yeah, the A's lost, the uh, Indians lost, so the two teams that they're right competing with for the wild cards both lost. So nobody gained any ground there. The Yankees did win, though, so your game further back in the the AL East. American League East, yeah. I don't think anyone's catching the Yankees. That's just my opinion. And bad news uh, for the Rays, too. Yanni Chirinos goes on the disabled list. We mentioned he left the game Sunday with uh, inflammation in the right middle finger. Well, he's going to be not throwing for at least two weeks and probably out for at least a month. So now wow. three of your top four starters are out. And that's just incredible. Glass now, Snell, and Chirinos. Really, three of your only four starters. Yeah, and then, look, I, I don't know if they can hang on to this wild card thing with, without getting Snell back. I, I guess there were some good reports about Glass now. Um, your theory that we talked about before the pad- podcast might be right, though. Like, how do you, even if he does come back, how do you build up enough innings for him to really start? Yeah, Glass now threw from 60 feet today. He's going to do that a couple more times this week. Then he'll go to 90 feet, and then he'll mm-hmm. start to try to pitch again. I don't think he's going to start much of the rest of the year, only because I don't think they're going to get him stretched out enough. He might be a bullpen arm. Or if they start him, it may just be for three or four innings. But I think you'll see. Glass now, if he does make it back this year, be used more in a relief role uh, to maybe, you know, not not just to come in for three batters, but to pitch two, three innings in, in mm-hmm. relief. Because I just don't know if you'll get him stretched out enough for st- starting by the end of the year. 
Well, uh, they, they definitely need Blake Snell back at some point, and I guess he could still be a month or so away. So it's, it's going to be tough sledding for, uh, for the Rays. But if their offense can get back on track and they, they score five or six runs a game, you'll take that. So we'll see how they do. Uh, big news for the Lightning. Now, now, you mentioned to me they added a defenseman, uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, but this was somebody that they were looking at a while ago, right? Well, if you remember two seasons ago at the trade deadline, they had a deal worked out to get Shattenkirk from the Blues, who was a pending free agent at the end of that season. But the Lightning wanted him to agree to an extension before they completed the trade. Shattenkirk decided he wanted to go to free agency, and so the deal did not happen. He then became a free agent, signed with the, te- the, the New York Rangers, which is his hometown team, the team he grew up rooting for, and he wanted to play for them. Took even kind of a little hometown discount. A four-year contract, I think it was worth about six and a half a year, six, se- $6.7 million a year. That was two seasons ago. Now, for the Rangers, two things happened. One, he was hurt most of the last two years, and so he didn't play as well as he had hoped. Although, at the end of last season, he was playing a lot better and finally felt healthy with his knee and everything else. Two, he signed with the Rangers, his hometown team. He wanted to help them, and they went into full rebuild mode as he signs. And so kind of disappointing for him, too. So he's got a chip on his shoulder. The Rangers cut him or bought out the last two years of his contract last week. So they're paying him the same money, but it's paid over four years instead of two years, which is what's left. And so he took a discount to come play for the Lightning, a one-year, $1.75 million deal. It's the same thing Dan Girardi did a few years ago. He was, he was bought out by the Rangers as well. And so you're getting paid by your former team, so you'll take less to go somewhere else. Now, Shattenkirk said he got called by, I think, 11 teams, they said. Kind of came down to two, and he really wanted to sign with the Lightning. He turned down two-year offers at other teams. He wants to prove that he can still play and is, is back to his old self. So he took a one-year deal here with hopes of winning a title but also re- rejuvenating his career to sign a bigger deal at the end of the year. So gives the Lightning now eight defensemen essentially on the roster. I mean, you've got Hedman, you've got Sergachev, you've got McDonough, you've got Chernak, you've got Coburn and Shattenkirk. And then you also re-signed Jan Ruda, and you got Luke Shen from the Canucks. And right now you have eight defensemen on your roster. Um, and they may go with uh, – they went with eight defensemen a lot this year. Uh, with Slater Cuckoo was at the beginning as, you know – as well, and, and so they had a lot of depth, and they may do that again this year with eight on the roster. But a one point seven five million dollar deal means they've got about nine point four million dollars left under the salary cap for this year at this point, and you still got to sign Braden Point and Adam Ernie. Well, that's uh, you know that's at, at minimum really good depth to get a guy of, of that quality and, and for that money. So you know, I, I guess we'll see we'll see more of these deals. I would imagine that uh, Julian Breesbaugh will do before they get to the training camp, right? Well, there's really, I mean, there's not, signing Point and Ernie, that's going to take up most of your salary cap. So there's really not a lot sure. of room to do much. Now, and Breezebois said, look, I wasn't looking to add a defenseman, but when a guy like right. Shattenkirk became available, right, you know, and, and the price was right at $1.75 million for a guy that, you know, look, he's not the defenseman he was three or four years ago. He's now in his ninth year, I think 30 years old, but he's still a good defenseman, offensively minded defenseman, can play the power play as well. So that gives you. I mean, Hedman's your main power play guy in the Sergachev, but McDonough and Shattenkirk can both you know, run point on the power play as well, and they have throughout their career too. So, And Shattenkirk and McDonough played together in New York and are very good friends too. They've played actually since high school with each other. So, And, and McDonough was one that Shattenkirk talked to about coming to the Lightning. So he's excited, and he says he's got a chip on his shoulder for New York you know, going through the rebuild when he signed and for buying him out. So 
That can't be a bad thing. Like those guys. No, I like those guys that are hungry that got an edge and can still play. (laughs) So (laughs) you add all that together and they don't cost you a ton of money. That's exactly the kind of deals uh, that the Lightning should make. And you don't need him, you know, just like like with Dan Girardi a couple years ago when New York bought him out and said he's not a top, you know, defenseman anymore in this. Well, the Lightning weren't expecting Dan Girardi to be a, a, a top four defenseman. He was mm-hmm. on their third defensive pair, and he did he did great. And Shattenkirk's going to be the same way. They're not expecting him to be a top four defenseman. You don't need him to be. You need him That's to right. play really well for you know, third defensive pair minutes, and then you know occasionally you're going to step into a top four where there's an injury or something else. But you know, and that can really help your career too. When you know sometimes you know, especially as players get older, in that they're still very good and can a big part of your team. They just can't do what they did five years ago. They're not going to play, you know, number one defense pair minutes. You put them on mm-hmm. the third pair, and they can be very effective and, and, and extremely good. Yeah, especially with that experience and and skill level, they still got plenty to give. Um, so good, good for the Lightning making that deal. I wanted to wrap this up uh, and just uh, talk again about my friend Don Banks. Of course, uh, we found out it was announced on Twitter uh, and other places. You've probably seen, you know, the sentiments from from a lot of writers, and and we talked about them on this podcast. If you didn't have a chance to listen to that, I had a couple stories at the beginning of the podcast yesterday. Don uh, worked in St. Petersburg. He uh, uh, grew up here, as a matter of fact, went to high school here, worked for the then St. Petersburg Times, was a colleague of mine, covering the Bucks for six years, and then one, went on to Minneapolis and spent 16 years at Sports Illustrated and SI.com. Um, he was uh, had been out of work, uh, full-time work anyway, for a little bit uh, after some of the layoffs they had there at Sports Illustrated, and had just gotten a job at the Las Vegas review i guess and was covering the nfl and his first assignment was to go to the pro football hall of fame uh and and report some stories there and unfortunately um he passed away in his sleep over the weekend at 56 years old so we talked about him a little bit yesterday and john romano i just want to tell you folks if you haven't had a chance uh please go to tempbay.com uh and and read john romano's column john who's our columnist of course uh, don was his very best friend and the two of them had a lot of similarities. They both grew up in St. Pete, kind of on opposite ends of the city, if you will, but uh, I think they were born within six months of each other. They were huge Cincinnati Reds fans, uh, enjoyed the same types of music, did a lot of things together throughout their life. Uh, And I'll just read you a couple. uh, It's really sort of ironic in a cruel twist way, but, um, you know, the column begins with with the announcement uh, a couple weeks ago that Don had accepted this new job uh, and, and everybody was congratulating him on Twitter. I mean, you know, because he's been in the business a long time, and, and it's not easy to get a job at 50-something years old uh, once you've been out there. But he was going back to the newspaper business at the Las Vegas Journal Review and was going to cover the NFL. And so, uh, as John describes in, in his lead, um, that he, he was reading, you know, uh, just sort of all these praises um, that were on Twitter. And so he said, naturally, you know, his good fortune was – my fodder for derision. And so uh, at one minute past midnight, he sent him a direct message and said, should I collect all of today's laudatory tweets for your eulogy? (laughs) And two minutes later, uh, Don responded with four rapid-fire messages. You should try at least. I'm very popular. Borderline beloved. I always told you that, but you never listened. And then John writes, as usual, Don broke that story. And my best friend in the world died in his sleep over the weekend while on his first assignment for the Las Vegas Review Journal at the Pro Football Hall of Fame festivities. Um, and then, like you said, right on cue, I mean, we've seen 
um, just the, you know, just all the heartfelt stories and uh, memories of Don and his kindness and his humor uh, and his and his integrity. I'll leave you with this, and this is from the column. He says, Don was not larger than life. He was better than life. By that, I mean life was almost always better when he was around. He was neurotic and brilliant, and he switched back and forth, often between those two narrow lanes. He and I had virtually identical upbringings on opposite sides of St. Pete. We were both the youngest of four siblings, born in late-in-life late late life parents, six months apart. Um, I mentioned to you they were, they were Reds fans and, and, and all of that. Um, but... You know, Don. Don had this. He had this incredible memory, um, and 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 they were supposed to, as a matter of fact, uh, I think, you know, get together here soon. He had trips planned with his son Matt and Micah next week in Block Island. Um, and as as John writes, um, he goes, you know, two weeks ago I tried to joke about his eulogy, and of course his reply was better than mine. Borderline beloved, screw that. We and I do mean all of us loved you with all the best parts of our hearts. So great column by John Romano. Make sure you get a chance to check that out. And, uh, of course, uh, as always, our, our, uh, we're just heartbroken for, uh, for Don's family and, and for his sons. All right, so the Rays will continue their series against the Blue Jays. Game two is tonight. The Bucks have an afternoon workout at 4 o'clock. We're going to have a chance prior to that to talk to Bucks quarterback Jameis Winston. So you want to check that out on TampaBay.com. We're going to have the lovely, the talented Chris Torello of Spectrum Sports 360 will join us on tomorrow's podcast and folks we know you have choice of an air conditioning company still hot as blazes out there if you need some service or a new air conditioner try my folks at millionaire they've been doing this uh, for about three decades here in the tampa bay area they're currently offering zero percent interest on 72 months on qualifying equipment so give them a call for service or maintenance at 727-862-2100 and if you do that uh right now i think you'll be pleased with their service and uh maintenance Anything you have, uh, any air conditioning needs you have, call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, millionaire. For Steve Ersnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.